Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you and in all worship you. You alone are the one whom we have been created to worship. So I pray that as we come to your word, your word would divide between soul and spirit and let the purity of adoration and affection come out of our spirit towards you so that you alone are glorified today. And nothing else and no one else shares that glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, just to recap a little bit to help make uh, sense of the truth that I want to share with you today. We've been speaking about the glory that Christ wants to share with us. And in John 17, turn your Bibles if you have a Bible with me to John chapter 17, verse 22. Jesus is praying for you and me. He's praying to his Father, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Notice that is the first result of Christ sharing his glory with you and me. It's not an individual experience. That ends. Something changes when Christ shares his glory, which the Father gave to him, and he gives it to me and you, you and I, that they may be one just as we are one. And this oneness happens like this. I in them and thou in me. God in Christ, Christ in us, that they may be perfected. That word is an ongoing truth. It means being made perfect. In what? In unity with Christ and God and each other. And what is the result? The result is that the world, all of those who are in the world, and they look at your life, but they don't believe in God. They don't believe Jesus is real. Maybe he was a historical figure who was a good man, but certainly not the son of God. And his words, maybe they're for me. They're a good story. That world, when they see this happening, Christ sharing This glory with you and I that brings us into the same unity, not just me individually in my prayer closet, us, into the unity that Christ has in God. The world looks at that life, at this reality and goes, now I know that God sent Jesus And he loves me, even as he's loved Jesus. That's the result of Christ sharing this glory with us. Look at it. I in them, and thou in me, 
that they may be perfected in unity, that thou, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. That's all the world needs. That's it. That's the gospel. They just need to know this one truth, that God loves them the same as what he loved Jesus. And now Jesus is sharing that love with you and I. And now they know God sent him. He's the son of God. And every word he speaks is truth. He's not a liar. And 1 John tells us, we love him because he first loved us. That's it. Once you believe in your heart that God actually loves you the same as what he loved Jesus, and Jesus has come to share that love with you and I, if you don't respond to that, you won't respond to anything that God will ever do in your life. There's no accident. There's no death. There's no anything that could happen in the world that would make you believe. If you can't believe this when you see it. So this glory that Christ sharing with us, he was speaking about the cross that his father had given him. And that the death on his cross and the resurrection out of that death from the grave. That was how he was going to shed abroad his love to you and I. And it's that glory that as you and I come to receive from him, that truth, he took up his cross, now we to follow him, he sets a cross in front of everyone who says, Lord, I'll follow you. You remember what he did to those people? Recorded to us in one of the gospels. A man came to him and said, Lord, I'll follow you. I mean, Jesus was doing all these miracles and this man was so impressed. Lord, I want to be one of your disciples. But oh, let me first go bury my dad. My dad just died. What did Jesus tell him? Of course, bury your dad. That's only normal. Is that what Jesus said? And then come follow me. What did Jesus say? Let your dad bury himself. You come right now. Follow me. Cross. But that's crazy. Whoever said anything like this? What other rabbi had ever spoken to anyone who wanted to be his disciple like this? You mean I can't even go and bury my dad? This guy's nuts. He's extreme. That's the natural response of the human reasoning to Jesus cross that he sets in front of everyone who would want to be his disciple. The rich young ruler, we call him. The young man who was a ruler who had a lot of wealth. And he came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why did Jesus not just look at him and say, oh, just come and follow me. You'll learn. Learn of me. 
come follow me. What did he do rather? Instead, he set the cross right in front of him. Go sell everything you have. Give it all away. Don't put it in a bank. Don't bring it along and put it in my coffer. That's not what Jesus said. Sell it. Give it all to the poor. And then come, follow me. Jesus meant what he said in a very literal, life-altering, changing way that if you and I want to be his disciple, the first thing, the door into that following Jesus is take up your cross and follow me. In Matthew chapter 16, this is the glory that he's speaking of. The glory that he wants to share with you and I. The unity that he had with his father's will for his life. Matthew chapter 16. You'll notice as you walk through this chapter that in verse 13, Peter makes a very bold confession. He says, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, God revealed this to you. You didn't get this of your own. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 21, from that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and said, began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And then Jesus made this strong proclamation. I want you to notice the two. God's interests and my interests. God's interests and your interests. God's interests and man's interests are two competing forces in my heart and in your heart. Your own interest or God's interest in your life and in my life. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes... If you even as much as wish to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I've seen the potential in my own life, dear brothers and sisters, probably in a, in a more in-depth way in the last few weeks than, than ever before in my life, that there is this wish to follow Jesus to be conformed into his image, to, be, to, to serve that destination, to go for that which we have been predestined for in Romans 8, to be conformed into his image. I want it. I wish it with all my heart. And I'll pursue it with all my life intact. But all I'm doing is I'm stuck and spinning my wheels. 
And the more that I live like that and attempt to follow Jesus like that, the deeper the hole goes. And you find yourself being buried in anxiety, in cares, in selfish ambitions and self-seeking. And you get buried down into your self-life. And the only deliverance that you and I have out of this constant cycle of spinning our own wheels. And we're just sitting here and Jesus is moving along. And he gets further and further and further away from me because I won't do this one thing. Take up my cross. Deny my self-interests. God's interests. My interests. I want to go to God through Jesus. I want to follow him, but I want to keep my own interests. And I'm just sitting here spinning my wheels. And dear brothers and sisters, we will sit there and spin our wheels for year after year after year. And we'll get old and gray haired and still be the same person I was 10 years ago. Unless I quit it, unless I just stop. And I say, Lord, I'm done with spinning my wheels. This attempt to be like you, this wish to be your disciple, I must deny myself. What? There's no other way, Lord? That rich young ruler looked at him, and I'm, I'm sure all this conflict went through his heart, thinking, Jesus, come on. I can, I can, all right, I'll just, I'll donate all my land. I mean, Barnabas did that and got away with it. Why can't I do that? I can sell all my land and give the money to the church. Do I have to actually disperse it to the poor? Do I have to do exactly what you told me to do? Exactly? Or I can't even follow you? Come on, let me just be a part of the multitude and watch the dead being raised and, and the blind seeing and... And, and, and the lame healed. and I mean, these were incredible, amazing miracles. But Jesus said, no, don't even follow me. Go your way. Unless you follow me this way. And he went away sorrowful. His heart was breaking. Why does he have to be so hard on me? Why? But he kept going his way. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own inner man? What will it gain us, dear brothers and sisters, to have an outward form of religion to come together and bless each other and pat each other on the back and express our love for each other and have fellowship together? But if our inner man is not actually being changed into his image from glory to glory... If it's nothing's happening in my inner man and in my inner life, I'm still myself intact. And I know 
I'm only spinning my wheels because of this one thing that Jesus has set before me. The cross, my cross, not yours, not his, mine, that he has given to me. Take up his cross and follow me. Are you satisfied with just being a part of the multitude with Jesus? Watching all the miracles happen? Even perhaps being a part of the crowd that goes with him into Jerusalem and sings Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the king, and goes into the temple and... But all you get to do is be an observer. An observer of his deeds. But there's nothing done in you. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 that the cross of Jesus has a very powerful effect on his life. It's this effect. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But may it never be that I should boast. May it never be that I should boast. Do you ever? Do you ever boast? I do. I have boasted a lot. I have boasted in my own thoughts much more than I boasted even with my mouth. You see, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I've learned to bridle my tongue. Because like James said, if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is completely worthless. I don't want to be a worthless Christian, so I will bridle my tongue. And even when I'm tempted to boast, to say something that will lift me up and cause you guys to try to at least esteem me a little bit, I'll check my tongue. Better not say that. That's boasting. But my inner thought life still boasts about myself. I think high thoughts about me that you never see or hear. But he does. But Paul said, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you actually boast in that, dear brother, sister? Now we're going to a new level. We're not just enduring a cross. We're taking it up and we're, we're boasting about the work of that cross in my life. And what is that work? through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, I grew up in a Christianity where this was translated and interpreted that the cross of Christ separates me from the world on the outside. I dress differently. I comb my hair differently than the world. Outwardly, I look different. It produces an a lifestyle that doesn't look like anything in the world. And that's not false. That's all true. 
but it's only half true. The outward man will be conformed into his image when the inward man is transformed from glory to glory. And Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, you are those who, which cleanse the outside of the cup. But inside, you're rotten, dead man's bones. There's no life in your inner spirit. So your outward man has, is, there's a confirmation to the word of God in my outward man. But the inner man is still self-seeking, still boasting in his thoughts, still pursuing his own self-interest still thinking more about himself than in God's interest for his life. But Paul said, not me. This is one thing that has happened. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does the world look like? How does God identify the world for you and I? Turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now we're talking about love. Do not love the world. What world? Well, I'm not going to love my farm. I'm not going to love my, my business or my vehicles or my, my house. Or Is that what he's talking about? No, he's not. It may include all that. It does include all that. But let's read on. For all that is in the world, everything. This encapsulizes all that world, your farm, your house, your business, your money. It's all contained in this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. That world, the lust of your flesh, the things that my body desires, my flesh enjoys, is all going to go away one day. The lust of the eyes, those things which I can see, And they cause me, they satisfy something in me, the lust of my flesh. I look at them and I desire them. And so I work hard to obtain them. Or I I do things to, to bring it in, the pleasure of my eyes. Or the world's entertainment system must be billions and billions of dollars worth. Just look at how the world goes after movies. I mean, what is that? Except that I'm willing to sit down and lust after my eyes. Something my eyes enjoy. No wonder he says, be very careful what you set in front of your eyes. Are all movies wrong? No, it's your love for that. And he says it's wrong. And the boastful pride of life. That world is all passing away. That 
pride in my heart that boasts before God in anything except taking up my cross and following Him. That crucifies all of this. Are you, will you, exalt is another word for this boast, which Romans 5 uses. Let's look at that word in Romans chapter 5. And this is the great challenge that the Lord sets in front of every one of those who wish to be his disciples and follows him. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified, we've been cleansed, and now we have peace. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith. We've come into God's family, into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt, or we boast, same word, we exalt in hope, Of the glory of God. When God brings my cross and sets it in front of me, there is an exaltation. Lord, this is what you're calling me to do? Yes, Lord. Your cross will separate me from the affection of my father's death. Or my son's death. And I don't know if there's a stronger affection than that. And my own personal journey, and some of you may have walked this journey as well, or are walking it, that when someone whom you love dearly, close to your heart, dies, and you put them into the grave, there is such a strong affection on your heart that it wants to pull you down in the grave with him. I remember so well when we were burying our son Christian and as he was lowered, his box was lowered into the grave and, and I got up with the shovel to put some dirt over him and I thought, I just want to fall right down there and die with him. I don't care anymore. My affection was right there. And the cross of Christ stood between me and the grave. And Jesus said, will you take up this cross and follow me? Or will you stay in the grave with him? And those affections every day had to be brought to the cross every morning when I woke up. And though there was no desire in my heart to live at all anymore, some of you who have walked with me, you, you witnessed it. And I was crying and there was deep pain in this offering. But the cross of Christ stood there to separate it every day. Filled your interests, my interests. And if you believe, you'll take up the cross and you'll die to that. Every day, you'll die, you'll die on this cross until slowly but surely those affections of my heart turned from that grave to Jesus and his will for that grave to be in my life. His will, his interest for that grave to be in my life till I die.
And it does separate your affections from the grave to him. When you begin by faith to stand in this grace and begin to exalt in this hope of that I will be changed to be like him. Lord, your cross will take these affections and it will cut them strand by strand, morning by morning, day after day. I'll take up this cross and you're going to change me, my affections. Being perfected. If you're willing to exalt in hope of that glory. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Wait a minute. Paul sounds as crazy as Jesus. As radical as Jesus. Who ever heard of such a thing? That I'm going to begin to boast or exalt in my tribulations? We're talking about an inward boasting. We're not talking about an outward thing where we boast about what we've all been through. But we're talking about I'm glorying in the work of the cross in my life. Tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within my heart, the inner man, through the Holy Spirit, who was also given to us. May it never be that I should boast except in the cross. Are you boasting in the cross that Jesus has set in front of you? To follow him? Or are you mourning, sorrowful, and day after day you're just kind of going home like the rich young ruler and sitting in his house? And I don't know what his life looked like after that, but my guess is he sat in his house thinking a lot. Day after day, maybe he got up and he went about his business in his heart. He had a continual sorrow. Why does Jesus have to be so hard. Why? Why? Why can't I follow him with my own money? Why can't I follow him with and keep my lands? Why? Why? Jesus and this sorrow was just constantly struggling in his heart. And look at the opposite. Apostle Paul's life, whom he relates to us in Philippians chapter 3 in particularly, he says, all of the things, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was the best among my peers because I gave it everything I had. And then the Lord brought the cross in his life on the road to Damascus. We know the story, right? And he had to count every righteous thing he did according to the law Paul was not sinning according to the law. He was righteous. And he had to count all of that as rubbish, as a loss. And allow the cross to circumcise his heart, to cut it away from his life. And be a new man. Have whole new pursuits. Fall in love with Jesus and only Jesus. 
and begin to be at His disposal. And then not only that, do this. Suffer for His name's sake. And allow that cross to bring tribulation, persecutions, and all of the things that He needed to endure to be a Christian. And He didn't just endure it. He embraced it. He exalted in it because He said, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart through this experience. Are you seeking the love of God in any other way, dear brother, sister? You're never going to find it. You will always be insecure. The world is chasing love, pursuing loving relationships. And it's always just eluding their grasp. And so they try it for a little and then it gets old. And they discard it. And they try it for a little and then it gets old. And they always want something more. Because they're not willing to take it this way. To seek it this way. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 21, comes into the Jerusalem as a king. The only time he ever did it in his life. But he did it to fulfill scripture. And he was headed to the cross. And so he comes in on a colt. And many children and people were around him. You'll read this in the first part of the chapter. Singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he comes into the temple. And he does something very strange. Radical. What does he do? Why wouldn't he just come into the temple and now's his chance as a king to come in and heal and and raise the dead and do all these marvelous things? But again, Jesus does what only Jesus does. He comes in and he finds a few cords and he makes himself a whip. And he comes in there and he must have taken a moment to look around the temple. And you know what he found in the temple? People were busy. Religiously busy. They weren't breaking God's law. They were buying and selling things to be sacrificed at the temple. And Jesus comes in and he says, cleanse this place. And he throws the tables over and and he chases all these merchants out. And he says, My house shall be a house of prayer. Are you willing to have Jesus come into your house that way? Chase out all the money exchangers in your thoughts. All those thoughts about money, whether they're anxious thoughts or lustful thoughts or covetous thoughts, whatever they are, Maybe they're just busy thoughts about business. And Jesus comes in. And you're here singing Hosanna to the highest in your life. And all of a sudden, Jesus takes a whip and he says, Now I'm going to chase out all your money-loving thoughts. All your cares and anxiety about money. Will you take up that cross? Or will you run out of the temple? That's what the Lord did to me in the last few weeks. And I'll confess to you, dear brothers and sisters, there were a lot more thoughts than I thought were there about money. 
Anxious thoughts, caring thoughts. Oh, but they were so good. I want to make money and I want to be profitable so I can give to the Lord. I mean, if a, if, a, if a man doesn't provide well for his household, he's worse than an unbeliever. But Jesus is concerned about the anxiety, the affections of our thoughts. Will you allow him to take a whip and scourge your thoughts from all anxiety? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Be anxious for nothing. Live like the birds. They don't worry about their meal tomorrow. Live like the flower of the field. It just flourishes. God takes care of it. Will you take Jesus seriously in that cross and say, Lord, I'm going to exalt in this cross of being anxious for nothing and I'm going to cast all my cares on you knowing you care for me. Then you can be his disciple. So Jesus cleansed it, not just from the anxious thoughts, but what does he do? He says, make my house a house of prayer. And there's one thing I've noticed in my boastful pride of life is that when I think I can handle it, I pray less. And I've began to examine my prayer life and I say, Lord, am I so dependent on you that I can't live without you and your word? I can't live without it. And then Jesus gives later on the parable of this landowner. And in the end, he makes this statement. Verse 44. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Which one will you experience with Christ. Him, this stone, falling on you, crushing. There's another translation that says he will grind him to find powder. To make you one in unity with God and the Father. Or will you see that stone? Will you take up that cross and you say, Lord, I will fall on it. And the Lord brought this to my mind as an illustration that I'm like an egg. I have an outer shell. I'm born into this life. The egg is composed of three parts. There's the outer shell, my outer life, which you see. There is an inner shell, Just behind the outer shell, my soul, my affections, and all of the the things that I desire, my own will. And then there's inside of that, there's the yellow part. There's my spirit. I can go through life like a really nice egg, stay intact. In fact, you know, we like to pretty ourselves up in this life and maybe put some coloring on it, you know, put a nice smile on it, maybe, you know. These are the only two markers I could find, so you have to forgive me, but, you know, dress up my hair, 
Just, just decorate whatever it looks like. Maybe my good beard down here. Trim it up just perfectly. But whatever we do to make this pretty. But do you know what happens to this egg? If it spends the rest of its life just like that, what happens to it? Can anyone tell me? It rots. What rots? What part of the egg rots? The inside. Yeah. The inside rots. Will you know it just by looking at it? No, you won't. You'll never know. You won't even smell it. It'll just remain a beautiful egg. And you can take it and you can paint it all kinds of pretty colors and you can use it for decoration. You can put it up on the shelf and it can be there for a hundred years. Rotted on the inside. But everybody who comes into your house might look and say, Oh, look at all those pretty eggs. I like how you have arranged them and colored them and how beautiful. And never know that the inside of the egg is rotten. So what shall we do with this egg? Before it rots. What would you like to do? How do we keep it from rotting? Yes. Ro, hang on. Ro. Oh, really? You would like to put this in a bowl and cook it? Just a minute, Michael. We're going to give other people a chance too, okay? What about you, Nash? What would you like to do with it? Same thing. Okay. Let's put it in a bowl and cook it. So, that's exactly what Katie did this morning. She took this egg and she didn't put it in a glass bowl, but she put it on a pot on the stove and she left it there for, I think, about six minutes or so, right? And there's a lot of heat going on and that egg starts going, Ouch! This hurts! What's cooking about the egg? Which part is cooking? Let me ask you this. Which egg is cooked? Which egg is cooked? This one. Are you sure? Which egg is cooked? Lucas. Still this one. But I could confuse you if I actually switched it, but then I would confuse myself. and I, The story would go bad on me. So we took this egg, and we did cook it. It's the inside that was cooked. But you can't tell. And God said in Jeremiah, my word is like a fire. What does it do? When God's word is like a fire to you and it cooks you, does it scar your body? Can I look at you and say, oh, you're cooked by God's word? No, you can't. Unless you do something. How should we find out if this egg is really cooked? Any? Drop it? Well, that would be one idea. Can we go a little slower? Smash it on my face? Yeah, that could work. Michael? Throw it at somebody? Yeah. Dustin? Crack it. How about we crack it on this rock? It cracked. Now we could start peeling it. 
wow, we can start peeling this egg. I'm going to lay this right here. And slowly but surely, guess what? This egg has been cooked. And the peeling comes off. And so you can take this egg. Would someone come up and peel this egg for me? Um, okay, I'm going to go for Nash this time. Okay, Michael? Come, Nash. You peel this egg. Just stand there and peel it all off on that napkin for me. Now, why would we peel the egg? What's the purpose of peeling the egg? Won't it go bad if you let it sit there like that for too long? Yes, Jer. So you can eat it. Well, what's going to happen to the poor egg when you eat it? Huh? Dustin? It'll go in your stomach. It'll become a part of me. It'll be hidden in me and you won't see it anymore, right? Christ in you. God in Christ. And in Colossians 3, thank you, Nash, you can go back. Colossians 3 says, And my life will be hid with Christ in God. And when the Lord says, Will you be my disciple? Let me peel off your outer shell. First I'll put you into afflictions and I'll put you into heat of my own word. And then you'll need to let me get my hands on you. And you become my handiwork. But oh, I'm not done. I didn't just peel you for people to look at you and say, oh, look at that pretty white egg. And now at this stage, I can become boastful about all my afflictions that I endured in that hot pot. And so I take paint again and I start getting really self-conscious about my life in Jesus. And look what God did for me. My outer shell's all peeled off, guys. I'm not wicked like this guy. I'm not like him. Look at me. I'm white. He still has all that yucky, ugly dirt and sin on him. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I've made you white. I've taken off all your outer shell. Now come follow me. How's that going for you, Egg? That was my egg. I'm supposed to eat it. Mm. <laughs> Mom cooked those. No! What's happening to my life? This egg must be going through a whole transformation. And you don't even see him anymore. Because he's hid down in here. Your life hid with Christ in God. It's made for one reason. To be hid with Christ in God. And delicious. Delicious to God. A life that God can consume for His glory. Hey boys. Listen up. 
but the inner life has been cooked so that it is delicious. And he hasn't just created us to put us on the shelf. That's one experience. And God has different ways of working with us. But there is another way that I've found that the Lord sometimes works in my life. He takes me. Outer shell and all. And you can divide this up in your experiences in life. There may be an experience in your life, something, an affection of your heart, that he'll do this with. And quite frankly, dear brothers and sisters, this has been how he's dealing with my pride. Because I find that God takes a little bite at a time. He says, now this area, now this area, that boastful pride of life, I'm going to conform into my image so that you glory in nothing else except the cross, my power in you. But there are circumstances in your life that may be like how God dealt with me and our son Christian. Our life was intact. And yes, there were troubles, but we were a family. And then God put this rock unexpectedly in my way. And just poured my life out. Broke the shell in an instant. And there it lay. All messed up. And then he discards this, throws that shell away. And there I stood broken on that rock. And then the Lord comes along and says, now let me put you on the firing pan. Now let me put some heat on that. And I'm going to chop it up. And as you get some heat on this, if I had a real little oven here, you know what would happen, right? The egg would be transformed into what we called scrambled eggs. Delicious for eating, right? But the outer shell had to be broken. And the inner person completely dis-transformed. And then the Holy Spirit comes and says, now I'll serve you to others. Whether it's through this way, and that circumstance first cooks you for a while, and then the Lord begins to peel off your, your outer shell, and then He gives you to others to eat like this. Or whether He just simply takes you and He puts you right onto the rock and your life just spills out. And then he puts you on the fire of afflictions and persecutions and scrambles your life. Both ways have the same effect and they serve different tastes. But they bring nutrition and sustenance to Christ's body. But if we refuse to be broken and we continue to just stay on the shell or we are cooked but we refuse to be 
partaken of. Eventually this will rot. If I just take this egg down, left it here till next week, I venture to say no one would attempt to take a bite. Right? And so you know what we would have to do with it? Throw it in that trash can back there and eventually in the dumpster and put it into the landfill. Or like Jesus gave the illustration, you just grind it to powder. And it turns into dirt. If I threw that egg now out here into the dirt, two months from now, you couldn't find it. It's soil. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, Galatians 2 verse 20, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I wanted to give you this illustration, dear brothers and sisters, because Jesus and what he said, it's true. It's true in my pride of life. If I will not allow that cross that he sets in front of me, if I don't take up that cross and break my proud, stubborn heart and take those pride thoughts, those proud thoughts, and allow them to be poured out, cooked and peeled off and eaten, consumed by the Holy Spirit and transformed into energy in Christ's body, my end will be that the rock will fall on me, on all that pride, and I'll be just cast into dirt. What Jesus said is true. If I allow those self-existing man's interests to not be transformed like this into God's interests, I may remain a beautiful egg all my life, but inside I'll be rotten. And at the end of the day, when Jesus comes to clean his house, unuseful and thrown out because it's rotten. And you and I cannot get away from this truth. And yet I find in me, in my flesh, a constant attempt of reason with God. Really, Lord? Is there no other way? And when the Lord sets a cross in front of your life, whether it's through afflictions in your life, through hard financial times, and that's a cross He sets right in front of you, and if you won't take your covetous thoughts and the lust of your eye of all that you see and you won't bring it into the cross of that affliction and begin to exalt in the hope of the glory of that cross and allow Jesus to be exalted in that life that he's given you. But you're going to fight it. You'll be like that rich young ruler, just sorrowful about this situation in my life, walking around, struggling, and eventually hardened and embittered and rotten inside. There is a glory in the cross, dear brothers and sisters. And it's the glory that Jesus prayed that you and I would share with him. Unity and oneness with God our Father and Jesus Christ in my inner man. And there heaven is lived out on earth. 
every day in my home, at my workplace, my relationship with my wife, because it's being done on the inside. My attitudes, my thought life, my words. Speak through this faith. I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I. Christ lives in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for setting this way and no other way in front of us. This way to live a life that you have given to us for your glory. And I pray, as you prayed, that each one of us would receive this glory from you so that the world may look at it, engage our spirits, be fed the life of Jesus Christ, and know that you love them, just like you love the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.